Good morning. I'm Marita. I'm part of the congregation here. So today we'll be reading from Matthew 6, verse 19. So follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. Well, that was Gordon Gecko. Do you remember the movie? It was a 1980s movie called Wall Street. So that's Gordon Gecko there, and he exists in this system that rewards effort, doesn't he? That's the system that he exists in it rewards ingenuity see for gordon if you work hard you get rewarded work clever maybe you meet objectives and you get rewarded and um, and i understand how that works as you know we heard in the interview with mike i'm one of the pastors at trinity church modbury these days but i haven't always been in full-time ministry um, and i'll explain a little bit of that in a moment but um you've already uh, had me introduced so you know who i or you know my name um, let me add my welcome though to Mike, so um, thanks so much for being here, thanks for having me and uh, I have to say um, coming out of watching everybody go out from Paraka and then um, coming here today and just seeing um, 
everybody here and a whole bunch of new faces as well. It's just it's wonderful the way God's working amongst everybody here. So um, thank you for having me. And again, a very big welcome, particularly if you're uh, here to listen to the Big Question series. Maybe somebody's invited you along. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to talk to you today. So um, as Mike said, we're finishing up our Big Question series. And today we'll be looking at greed and inequality. There's so much of it in our world. And where is God amongst all of that? That's the question that, that we'll be having a look at. But as I said, I wasn't always in full-time ministry. I spent 20 years in corporate. And so I get what Gordon Gecko's talking about here. I get it. You know, in the job I had just before I left, we had profit targets to hit. You know, if we hit the target, we would get paid a bonus. And then household income uh, would go up. Take a look at this slide here. The numbers are probably hard to see but it doesn't really matter it's the trajectory of the lines that I want you to look at um, the point is that this system that Gordon Gecko exists in right it does work this is a chart that uh, was from a study by the University of Melbourne and it shows 17 years of household income disposable income and it shows uh, a consistent increase doesn't it year on year and in some cases by about 40 percent so it's a significant increase and that's why you know we have this great standard of living here in Australia. It's why we've got this great standard of healthcare, which I'm using at the moment, by the way, tore my calf muscle recently, not as young as I was. Um, so making good use of the health system. We've got great schools, like the one we're in here today, roads and facilities, right? They are all good things that come out of this system. And the Bible teaches that we are to provide for ourselves, right? So these are good things. The Apostle Paul taught the church in Thessalonica, um, two Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 where it says for even when we were with you we gave you this rule the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat so we're supposed to work right we're supposed to work and we're supposed to provide for ourselves these are good things and so when I was working in corporate in that job if we hit those profit targets well it meant you know we could pay everybody well everyone got a pay rise the company would grow it meant we could give more jobs to people. We could employ more people. They would earn an income. They could provide for themselves. These are all good things. These are all great things. But I think you'd agree, Gordon Gecko in that movie and in that little clip there, he's not really talking about just earning a living, is he? He's not really talking about... I mean, Gordon's talking about meeting a desire, isn't he? He's talking about a desire for more and more and more and if you've seen that movie for Gordon Gecko really it's more of everything you know money for him that's just the power to get those things you know he loves it and he trusts it you know and why not it provides him with everything he's got all the basics housing food clothing transport and then his desires entertainment and holidays and pleasure and pleasure and pleasure Actually, in Gordon's case, it's anything that his heart desires. Hard for someone not to love that, don't you think? Hard for us not to love that. To give your heart to it. And this passage that was just read for us today, this is a, a record of Jesus' words as he taught them to the people that were with him. And he says there in Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And that's what Gordon Gecko's on about, isn't he? For him, it is greed, more desiring, more and more. And so you just watch that, you know, one minute clip and it's obvious where his treasure is, isn't it? And it's obvious where Gordon Gecko's heart is. Greed, desiring more and more from a love and a trust of money. That's Gordon's treasure. But it's misplaced, actually. It's a misplaced love and trust. And we see the effects of that in the world all around us all the time. And I'll give you an example. That same company I worked for in that same role, one year, we had still made money. We were profitable, but we hadn't reached our target. Now, we were still profitable, as I said. So we could pay everybody, and we did. And we could meet all our costs, and we did. And we would still have a little bit left over. But people lost their jobs and they lost them so that more profit could be made. You know, if you don't hit the profit target, well, we will make you meet the profit target by reducing costs. People lose their livelihoods. And that creates inequality. Now, I'm not saying that it's a problem with the system. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, actually, though, is it is a problem with us. Yeah, when we are driven by a love and a trust of the wrong thing, it will lead to greed and inequality. And the thing is, we were made, we are made to love and, trust, love and trust something. The Bible tells us that. But when we place our love and trust in something human, something finite, like it will never meet our expectations. If you think about wanting to love something, when we want to love, we want, it, we want to be loved back, don't we? Always. You know, if we trust something, if we place our trust somewhere, well, we want that thing to be trustworthy. Always trustworthy. But anything human will eventually let us down. It will eventually not meet those expectations. And these words from Jesus in Matthew 6 verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Investments will fail. Markets fall. They're not trustworthy. Not always. And they can't love us anyway. And uh, even people who don't trust what the Bible have to say know that that actually is true. There was a lady by the name of Dorothy Rowe. And so I don't know if you know the Times. It's an English newspaper. Back in 97, she wrote this. Even if we achieve what the world is pleased to acknowledge as success, we discover that the seizing of it fails to satisfy the hunger of our spiritual expectation. This is Dorothy Rowe. Doesn't believe in the Bible. Even she knows that this is true. Because we were made to love and trust something but it's something that doesn't let us down and it's something that does always love. And so the Bible tells us what that is from 1 John uh, chapter 4, where it says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So God's intention is for us to know his son Jesus and to know and rely on his love. We were made to love God. 
That's what we were made for. And uh, many of you would remember that's the greatest commandment that Jesus spoke about, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. That's who we were made to love and to rely on or to love and trust, God. And uh, more than that, actually, if you notice in this verse, God is love. See, that's what God is. He is love. And so that is where love must come from. So if you follow that through, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if you don't know the one that it comes from, if you don't know the one that love comes from, then we can't really know love. Well, if we don't know love, how can we love others properly? And we were all made in God's image. The beginning of the Bible says that in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so if we don't truly know God, we won't recognize the image of God in other people. Now, if you bring that and greed together, like it must lead to inequality. It has to. If we accumulate anything that isn't infinite, it's got to come at a cost from someone else. And if our love for that person or those people is deficient, well, it's not going to bother us. You know, maybe even indirectly, maybe we just sort of look the other way. I'll try and illustrate that with an extreme example. So let's, let's think of the slave trade. I think you say those words and people think of um, the US, you know, a couple of centuries ago. Uh, but actually, uh, it still exists today. There was a slavery ring operating in England just last year. They trafficked people from Poland to England. And they preyed on the vulnerable, right? They'd go about finding people who'd just come out of prison, homeless people, people living on the streets, and they would promise them work in England and a new future, stick them on a bus, send them over. Bus isn't in my script. I'm not even sure if you can get to England by bus from Poland. There's, there's a bit of water there somewhere. Anyway, they'd get them over to England. It's probably a bus and a boat. Anyway, not to take away from the weight of the story. The point is, they preyed on vulnerable people, they would send them to England uh, and then they put them to work and they paid them 50 pence a day and they threatened them and they beat them and they made them live in conditions like this. Now in that passage that was read to us from verse 22, it said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, that criminal gang operating out of Poland didn't have their eyes of God. They were full of darkness. If you think through what they did to those people, that is extreme inequality, isn't it? Yeah, and that criminal gang, they weren't bothered by that in the slightest. And if our world turns further and further away from God, inevitably we will see more greed and more and more inequality. But there are some great examples uh, of the opposite, actually. Edna Byler was a, a Christian woman. She had her eyes on God. And this is her here on the left, on your left. Back in the 40s, she travelled to Puerto Rico with her husband on business and she met women there who were struggling to feed her kids. And so she started selling their needlework back in the US to give them a sustainable income. 
Edna was a woman that loved. And today, I'm sure many of you would be aware, there's a huge fair trade movement. You see it in the shops, chocolate and coffee and crafts and all that sort of thing. This was all started um, from what Edna began down in Puerto Rico. Loving others by paying them fairly, lifting them out of the economic slavery that still exists in our world today. All begun by someone who first loved God. It's like our reading said there in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't. And notice here, it's not wrong to have money. We just mustn't serve it. It's a a wholehearted devotion to God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You can't give, we cannot give our allegiance to both. One will always be before the other. And like Edna, when we know God first, then we know love. We are able to love and provide for others. And if you think about it, actually, all the, everything that we have is God's anyway, right? I mean, he created it all. It's his. We're just custodians, really, of whatever he gives us. And we're custodians of whatever it is that he provides to us. And as custodians, I mean, a custodian, by definition, does with what's being given, you know, the way the owner of, of what it is wants, don't they? Um, I mentioned earlier when Mike was interviewing me that uh, the lease on our house um, hadn't been renewed so we, we ha- uh, had to move and uh, a lovely couple um, were going to be away for a, a number of months and so they, um, they didn't even know us actually, they let us move in which was amazing. Um, but you know we are custodians of their property right? and uh, there's a wonderful garden there that we know they want us to keep alive and green. Uh, we know that the, they want us to return the property to them in the same condition in which they, you know, they gave it to us. And so you should see the place. You know, we've got like double tablecloths over the dining room table and there's drop sheets. It looks like a museum, actually. There's drop sheets all over the lounge chairs and so on. Right? But it's because we know what they want us to do with what they've given us. Right? And we're doing our very best to, to do that. Well, God's provided everything that he has given to us and God wants us to love others with what he's given to us and it's God's provision that's the thrust of Jesus's comments about worry in that second part of the passage that was read verses 31 and 32 I don't know if you've heard um, that saying about worry worry is like a rocking chair gives you something to do but it never gets you anywhere but thanks for laughing. Always risky putting a joke in when people don't know you. See, the, the, thing, the point being made here is that the people of God are not to worry about their needs. It doesn't mean they're not to work or to plan, but they don't need to be anxious. We have a father who's aware of our need. And if we don't know God, then there will be anxiety about the future. Take a look at this uh, slide here. This is from that same report that I showed you earlier by the University of Melbourne and this is about depression and anxiety. So household income is on the up and up but so is depression and so is anxiety in our modern world. 
if we don't know God, no wonder there is a desire to accumulate more and more. Right? Because it is impossible to know how much is enough or if it might all be lost. It's like planning for retirement. I don't know if you've ever had those discussions with um, financial planners. Uh, I'm sure many of the young people are saying, I have no idea what that is. You will eventually. Uh, when you go in and speak to them, it can be a bit depressing actually because if you ask the question, how much do I need? It's sort of like, depend, how long do you plan to live for? You know, you can't be certain. Um, to give you an example, my parents live over in WA and they live on the canals in um, Mandra, which is a bit south of the city. And uh, they had a guy living opposite him and uh, he'd worked really hard for years and years. He had this amazing house, like living right, right on the water, had his own jetty, um, big motorboat. It was like 45 foot long. The thing was huge. I had a spa that you could see like right up by the canals there. A um, couple of jet skis that used to sort of dock in with this boat. Like, it was amazing. Married guy, had kids, grown up kids. They'd all moved out of home, but obviously living in this palatial mansion, they were in and out all the time. Why wouldn't you be? Um, and he got really close to retirement. And then he got a brain tumour and he died. And actually it was sad. I mean, that was, you know, it was very sad and then within months his wife had taken up with another guy he'd moved in and you could see them you know using all these things that this bloke had worked for decades to acquire see he he had no certainty about his future this man and so he felt he had to accumulate more and more but if you know god then you do have certainty jesus himself said Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, there's a consequence for ignoring the creator of everything. We can't be righteous. We can't be right with God by ourselves because we all ignore him. But God does provide for his people and ultimately he provided through his son. Jesus Christ, who died in our place. He paid the debt that we owe to God, to the creator of everything for ignoring him. And he rose again. See, God took all of that on himself. And he only asks that we believe it and that we trust Jesus. And then he'll extend that forgiveness to us and give us life with him forever. That's what we're to seek. We're to seek that, not riches and wealth, We're to seek God's kingdom and God's king, Jesus Christ. And then God will give us what we can never achieve through our own efforts. Being made right with God. That's our certainty. And in that, we see the absolute opposite of inequality. When we seek the righteousness of the kingdom of God, what we discover is that what we're seeking actually is given to us. It's not achieved. It's given to us freely. And if we seek the kingdom of God, we're forgiven and brought back to him. And that is the ultimate leveler, isn't it? Like there's no inequality before God. There is no inequality in the gospel. He will accept everyone who comes to him. It doesn't matter how much money we've got, what education we have, what we do for a living, where we live, what we've done in our past. We are forgiven 
and accepted if we turn our hearts to him. And that's where certainty is found. That's where relief from worry and anxiety about what tomorrow brings, that's where that's found. It's where love for all of us is found. And it's where our love for others is found. So let me finish by um, using this rope to illustrate what it means to love and trust God first. See this red end here, this is our lives right now, this little bit, this red bit. And the rest of this white rope is eternity. Right? That's all the time that we have with God once this life is finished. And in this red end, we've got this problem where we rebel and we ignore God. And we see the results of that all around us, greed and inequality among them. Now, why do I care what I have here when I have all this that's offered in front of me? See, God's dealt with this problem for us. He's dealt with it. And if our heart is turned to Jesus and what he's done to bring us to God, then we have all of this eternity together with God, who is love. No greed, no inequality. And so the challenge is, what is it that we choose to place our love and trust in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these words spoken by Jesus so long ago and preserved for us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is love and that it's by knowing you in your love that we may properly love others. Father, we live in a broken and sinful world, yet you've provided the solution that we cannot by the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Father, we pray that we may come to know him personally and might be saved to an eternity that is free of the greed and inequality that we see in our society. Father, please help us to live that way now in this red end of our rope looking forward with hope and joy to the eternity that we will spend with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.